0: Welcome to Season 2 of COVID-19 Public Health Policy and Culture. In these episodes, we share international stories about the pandemic around the world, what it looks like in everyday lives, as well as what it looks like from the eyes of researchers and professionals who work on controlling the pandemic. This podcast is designed for information to be translatable from epidemiologists, emergency medical professionals and those who do work on the front lines, and what it looks like in everyday family culture on planet Earth during this historic moment. So you probably are aware by now that we use Anchor.fm here on this podcast for COVID-19 PPC, and I wanted to tell you about Anchor.fm because this is actually the second uh, podcast hosting software I've used. And um, I really like it. I love how easy it is to use. I love the fact that it's free. And they have so many tools here like music and all these different options that help you record and edit your podcast either from your phone or your PC or your computer. And then Anchor distributes your podcast for you so that it can be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And then also you can even make money from your podcast with minimum, with no minimum listenership. And it's all you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're new to podcasting and you're interested in um, getting started, I recommend Anchor.fm. So what you can do is download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started Um, that's my recommendation. And, um, you know, after almost a year of podcasting, I'm really glad I found Anchor just recently. It just makes things so much easier. And uh, yeah, come check out anchor.fm. We are at a crucial time in public health with the global crises of the pandemic in addition to climate change. This is our moment as public health professionals, academics and entrepreneurs to work together collectively to consider solutions and perceive creative ways to work through these major challenges, these wicked problems that we're facing around the world. I encourage you to visit us at publichealthpodcasters.com to learn more about how podcasting can be leveraged to improve public health, health equity, and to support communities building diverse infrastructure in community, global, and environmental health. Again, visit us at publichealthpodcasters.com and learn more about our membership opportunity. Welcome to COVID-19 Public Health Policy and Culture. I'm your host, Dr. April Moreno. And today we are speaking about how to become a public health leader to address misinformation. And this is about basically the pandemic and a lot of the misinformation that's taking place out there. And what we found is that the community has a powerful role to play in how correct information can be spread so that people get information that actually saves lives and gets this pandemic taken care of and reduced. So today we're speaking with Dr. Mina Butra. She's an MD, MPH and a PhD. She is part of the University of Pennsylvania and focuses on IBD. She is also a professor in biostats, epi, epidemiology and informatics. Today we're going to be talking about the power of public health leadership and how we can advocate for addressing misinformation and getting the right messaging and data and information across out there. So everyone is a leader in some way. And today we're going to be talking about how we can be leaders in public health. Everyone can be a public health leader and share an important message that is dear to them. So I hope you enjoy this episode and to find out more about us, you can find us on on Instagram at COVID-19 PPC, or on anchor.fm, um, which is at anchor.fm slash COVID-19 PPC. Hope you enjoy this episode. Today, we are speaking with Dr. Mina Butra. She is a doctor. She's an MD, and she has an MPH, and oh my goodness, also a PhD in epidemiology, with a
1: focus on IBD. Oh, absolutely, absolutely my pleasure. Very, very honored to be uh, talking to you today. So yes, I am an adult gastroenterologist um, at the University of Pennsylvania. I specialize in inflammatory bowel disease. Um, I have a master's in public health um, that I got in Boston. It was a focus in epidemiology and biostatistics, but it's a master's in public health. And then I got my PhD in epidemiology. So I have a secondary appointment at the University of Pennsylvania in the Department of Biostatistics, Epidemiology, and Informatics um, at Penn. Uh, so that that is me. Um, but I do a lot of, as we were sort of, you know, uh, talking about before we started recording, a lot of advocacy that doesn't really necessarily fall under any of those umbrellas. Uh, it's more national advocacy, um, uh, advocacy for public health, advocacy for science, um, advocacy for access to health, because It really doesn't matter what research I do in inflammatory bowel disease. If a patient doesn't have insurance to see me or gets sick from something else and can't come see me, it does them, it does me no good. You know, that that research is useless. We have to be able to see our patients and keep them healthy so they can continue to see us um, and continue to afford to see us. So a lot of advocacy in those spaces. So in that setting, I'm on the national board of the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation and Doctors for America as well.
0: Mm-hmm. You're doing so much excellent work. I really appreciate you. I appreciate meeting you today. And I would love to get into this conversation about COVID. This is our wicked problem of the day, of the era. <laughs> yes. And, uh, hopefully a lifetime. <laughs> right, yeah. Hopefully we are going to get to the end of this soon. Um, and it really is about us, right? About the decisions that we make as individuals, as professionals, as healthcare providers, and so on. And um, today uh, let's talk a little bit about the infodemic and what challenges we're facing right now. What have you been experiencing over there? What have you been seeing? What would you like to speak on?
1: Oh, uh, how much time do you have? (laughs) (laughs) Um, There are so many concerns about misinformation. Um, I am... I'm not, off the top of my head, I'm probably not going to think about all of them, um, and, and that will slay me in post, I'm sure. But here are a few. Uh, the, I think really the most important aspect of it to me as a physician is that misinformation causes direct harm to people. Um, and we are seeing that in real time right now during this COVID pandemic. Um, we saw this before the vaccines. I mean this. during the pandemic, before the vaccines, with anti-mask wearing propaganda, that masks were going to cause you to pass out, that masks were going to cause infections, that masks were going to cause um, anxiety in children or or stunt their mental or emotional growth or something like that, Um, that the virus wasn't real. That the virus didn't hoax. Yeah. Um, You know, like, yeah, that that doctors were lying about COVID deaths to make money. I mean, these are things that like hit you at the core because then you see people coming in who are sick where it was preventable. Um, Now we're seeing another aspect of that. We're seeing outright rejection of vaccines based on lies and misinformation. And we are seeing these people getting COVID and we're seeing them dying from COVID. Um, they're overflowing our hospitals. And, and, and they're also still continuing these other sources of misinformation, rejecting the safety and efficacy of wearing masks. And, and the really heartbreaking part of this is that there's a very vulnerable population of patients who suffer from this. And these are folks who may not have as robust a response to the vaccine and are dependent on everyone around them to be vaccinated, to bring down the levels of COVID and children. And we are seeing the highest rates of hospitalizations um, for children from COVID that we've ever seen in this pandemic. And, and we are even, and we're seeing you know, tens, 40, 50 children a week dying from COVID. And the thing that keeps slaying me is that this is all preventable. This is completely preventable, but for the misinformation. Um, but it hasn't just been you know, COVID. Misinformation directly harms people with in other ways. Uh, in, before the pandemic, other public health issues. Uh, the flu vaccine. We've never had 50% of adults get the flu vaccine. This is something that is causes preventable harm. Childhood vaccines. Um, we had a measles outbreak in Philadelphia before the COVID pandemic. There was a measles outbreak in New York. There's been measles outbreaks. It is, this is completely preventable. Um, But you have people who are saying, hesitating to get their children vaccinated, hesitating to get them vaccinated on schedule because of fears of autism, which has never been shown to be associated with vaccines or increased cancer with the HPV vaccine when actually that vaccine prevents cancer. It's the exact opposite. And then you you have this this misinformation about a variety of other public health issues, whether it's women's reproductive health, whether it's gun safety, whether it's access to healthcare, you know, back in a decade ago, I remember all the fights to get the Affordable Care Act passed and everybody saying there's gonna be death panels and they're gonna, you know, it's, its all of these things that were scaring people and truly the whole effect of this was, we want to try and help people stay alive and help them take, you know, be healthy. And so all of this misinformation it directly hurts people. It prevents them from doing the very thing that science has shown will protect them, their loved ones and their communities. But more globally for misinformation, there's this indirect harm, I think, of the credibility of science. And this is taking a hit for a while now. And there's multifactorial cause here. I, I think it is human nature to, to blame a person. For believing misinformation, um, you know, you, and you're seeing this, you're seeing this fatigue of in people who are anti-vax and then getting sick, and people saying, "Well, I don't care," and 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 they should have known better, but when. It is human nature to trust your family or your friends or your coworkers more than random doctor who doesn't have the blue check next to their name or doesn't only has 20 people following them because they don't have the time to sit there and cultivate a social media following. Because that's not their job, right? You know, and so they're going to believe their aunt or their neighbor who may have heard something from somebody else, and this in these algorithms then take advantage of that and they build these these walls. And I have seen some of this misinformation and I have to tell you, it is astounding to me. They use medical terminology, the words sound scientifically real and unless you really were a doctor or scientist, you would have no idea that it makes no sense at all. But to the average person with no medical training it sounds scary. And then when you're sitting there trying to decide, do I get a vaccine or do I get my child vaccinated? I can understand where there is fear. You know, I can understand that. Um, so I am not necessarily mad at the hesitant person. I am mad at the organizations that perpetuate the misinformation because they know better. They are preying on this fear and taking advantage of that to For their own publicity and people are dying i mean this is directly harming people and sets a terrible precedent Mm -hmm. um so yeah i i I understand i i get it um, for the average person and i just wish that we could platform real truth a little bit more Mm -hmm. so much to you and folks like yourself who are spending their extra time to do these extra things that are so important. I mean, these are, these are the things we need to be doing exactly this. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. How can people connect with you?
1: I am so bad at this. So, um, I, you can find me technically on Facebook or on mm-hmm. Instagram, but I haven't friended my mother on Facebook, so I can't <laughs> friend you just yet. I apologize, <laughs> but I am on Twitter, um, so it's at Doctors D R S Mina M E E N A, all one word. Um, and again, I re, I try to respond to every person, every question that comes through. Maybe I'm a little bit behind. I, I've got a full time job. I've got two kids. They <laughs> They need to be, you know, fed and watered and clothed <laughs> and occasionally played with, you know, that sort of stuff, or most more often just driving them around places. But um, so I I but I do try to reach out to every single person if you have a question, just send you know, just tag me, I will respond. I will usually do it by direct message so that you can feel a little bit more comfortable sharing any personal questions you know personal issues that you have and i'm more than happy to try and reach out to folks on phone as well Um, i just you know that that's that's where i exist right now
0: thank you so much dr mina dr butra for joining us
1: thank you